You're successful, but what's the metric for success? What's successful to you? That's not the only thing I do. So there's got to be something else that can define us. When you have a job that you're proud of and you have money to back it, you're very happy to share that with people. Maybe the job isn't what they're most proud of. Maybe it's raising their child. Maybe it's getting this education that they just got. Maybe it's that they're an amazing baker and they just do it at home. If that's what they feel defines them, I'd rather know that. Everybody describes it like when, when you leave America, it's like almost a breath of fresh air. <laughs> It's a pause from like the fast pacedness of uh, of everything. Yeah, yeah. Uh. Underrated, underrated. We the underdogs, underestimated. Yeah. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Totem Podcast. Of course, I'm your host, Monaco Carrillo, and of course, we got. Eric Carrillo, I'm your other co-host here on the show. But guys, before we get started, remember if you guys like the, the conversations we're having here on, on the podcast, if you guys like the 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 interesting guests we have on each and every time. Please give this video a thumbs up, subscribe to the channel, and share it with one other person. That's all we ask for on this channel. But guys, please welcome to the podcast where an act of rebellion is the question. Cool. So today we got an important guest. We, today we got Matt Gordon. What's up, man? I don't know about important guest, but uh, I, no, you're, I'm, you're I'm a guest. No, you're important. All our guests are important. And so oh, see, there you go. And you, I don't you're wanna, important I don't, to us. There you go. I like that. I don't want to devalue the brand, uh, but I'll do my best today <laughs> and see what I can pull off. And I mean, you're, you're also important here to the to the neighboring community. You know, I still don't know how to take compliments, so I'll just say thanks. That I don't I don't know how to respond to those just yet. You responded to Eric's compliment perfect when he said he got beautiful hair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, maybe I, I love the hair. That's just my jam. It's like it's a part of me as a human being. Whereas, like, uh, what I do, it's what I do. But I also, man, it's. I, we were just talking right before this. Life is weird. And uh, being able to be in a position I'm in now to do what I do, I, I wouldn't have bet on it. <laughs> yeah, that's what we talk about all the time. It's like, you got to be ready for what happens. Right. Think on your feet. And just life's crazy. You can throw just different curveballs at you. Like, I wouldn't, if I would look back on my life a year ago, I would not have imagined I would be here where I am today. Yeah. Just uh, in this room right now talking to me. Exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so people don't know a little bit about you. Give us a little breakdown. Okay. So I always love these questions. And I find uh, in American culture, we always talk about our jobs first. That's like defining who we are. I don't think that's exactly who I am first. I would consider myself to be an autodidact lover of knowledge, uh, somebody who loves his family, his friends, uh, loves to give back to community, uh, not just in work, but in personal life, but also a lover of reading books, video games, movies. Uh, I, I'm quite fond of astronomy. Uh, I love looking at the stars and just imagining the vastness of everything around us. Being into philosophy and history. In fact, I want to pimp this book out real quick. Is Yuval Noah Harari's Sapiens. I'm reading it right now. Shout out Katie for buying that for my birthday. It's, it's a good book. It's, you've read it? Yeah. Oh, dude, it's the first time I've gone through it. And I am, I am so interested in, in diving into deep history and learning about the origins of, of humanity. And so it's like, that's me in a nutshell as a human being. But I am also the executive director of the Brush Area Chamber of Commerce, where I do a little bit of community development, economic development, and business advocacy. That's I, great. I love your answer because you said, my job doesn't define who I am. Absolutely. And, and then you actually like told us like who you are, not what your job title is. Yeah. Well, why do you think, I mean, just get, let's go right off jump the Jump in, let's do let's this jump thing. in. Like, I love well, this. Well, so why do, why do you think that is? Like, people do that. Because that, like, when I, well, sometimes when I ask it, I mean, it's kind of like a trick question because I want to, everyone's like, I do the XYZ for, for a living and everybody attaches, like, how much money you make for, like, how much respect they're going to give you. Always. Like, oh, he got the title. Oh, shit. You know? Yeah, I think uh, I, I, I touched on it a second ago. There's, and this may be mean just not having a, a wider global perspective, but I would argue in American culture especially, work is who we are in a lot of ways. Uh, we define ourselves by our jobs when we're asked who we are. That first question is, well, what do I do? Why is who we are what we do all the time? Now, actions definitely define who you are, but I work 40, 60 hours a week in that time frame. That's not the only thing I do. So there's got to be something else that can define us. Uh, I think the other half of it potentially is status. When you have a job that you're proud of, and I'm very proud of what I do, I love what I do, uh, and you have money to back it, you're very happy to share that with people. But I, I find that I work with people from all walks of life, 
And those people from all those walks, maybe the job isn't what they're most proud of. Maybe it's raising their child. Maybe it's getting this education that they just got. Maybe it's that they're an amazing baker and they just do it at home. If that's what they feel defines them, I'd rather know that than try and understand their day-to-day nine-to-five stuff. But American culture is fascinating in our obsession with work. And I see this all the time in my, in my own work. Uh, business owners are hyper dedicated, right? They are all the time working their butts off to make their businesses successful and their business becomes their life. Uh, Many of them find success in that, but I've not met a single person and I do have a lot of old friends, not a single one on their deathbed that said, uh, I wish I would have worked another hour. I think in my experience, they've said, I wish I would have had more time for my family. I wish I would have had more time for the things that I love and enjoy. And uh, my thought process is that's that's really who we are. But it's this overarching work culture in America where work is us. And I, I'm I'm just not connected with that. Yeah, like, like I, I've been to Mexico like a couple other times. And I've seen it like too. Like I, I watch like other people who are in different, like other countries like in, in Europe and stuff. And it's just... Everybody describes it like when when you leave America, it's like almost a breath of fresh air. <laughs> it's like it's a pause from like the the, the fast pacedness of of everything, and everybody's just like gotta go do this, gotta go do this, gotta get this done, and then everything. And then people just like take a step back, and and when they leave America, I'm not sure why. I I think it's like that word culture you're saying, but I don't know like where that came from. Oh, that's oh, that's weird. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I think maybe the rugged individualism born into us from uh, you know previous generations desiring to see us achieve the same levels of success that they achieved, but I, I think society changes over time. The values of that society change over time. And uh, while I definitely think hard work's never going to go out of style, per se, uh, there is something to be said about the value of leisure and enjoying life. I mean, this is this is it. This is all we get. And if all of it's going to be dedicated towards making money and grinding, that's awesome. You're going to find success in a way that you you might never find if you're relaxing all the time. But those moments that I dream of, and and I imagine uh, not, I don't want to say not a lot of people feel this way. I'm sure they do internally, but they don't share it out loud that I, I find so much more fulfillment having my telescope out and just looking at things and seeing the world and going on a hike spending time with my godson, you know, and I, like I said, I'm, I feel so bad. All the chamber members are going to watch this and be like, oh my God, he doesn't even like what he's doing. Yeah, but we, we chose the wrong one. Yeah, he hates us. That's definitely not the case because <laughs> I, I absolutely love the work I do, but it, I got lucky in that. And I don't think a lot of people in America have this. This is, I think, where the big difference is between other countries where when work isn't your identity, you can enjoy your relaxation time, your leisure time a little more effectively versus here where your identity is wrapped up into your work. You can't relax when you're away from it because you're thinking about it. You're planning for it and doing things. I got lucky in the sense that the job I have is one that I love to do and I'm very passionate about, so I care and I I want to do it. There's a ton of jobs that exist that people don't want to do. And so now I'm being forced to grind to help make somebody else make money and care and put in the effort. And I have to think about it when I'm away from it. I mean, that that does not compute quite right, at least in my mind. What comes to mind when you were talking about Mexico is like Spanish siestas. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the French breaks in the, the middle of the day when they take long lunches and just close down shops, like whole sections of these cities shut down for the day. I can't ever envision that happening here. I mean, shoot, we were just talking about COVID too. Like shutting down was disastrous for our culture in a way that I don't think it was for other places because they had already been used to that. I think, it's, I think it starts from like ever since like this country was founded, the, the like the founding fathers and everybody here was like, we gotta like work hard to prove ourselves that we are uh, a worthy nation, you know. And then like, it just like sent from there, like, okay, we're worthy. Okay, now let's be the best. And I think that might just be like us as Americans, just striving to be better than than we were yesterday. But too, I think that that was the like you said, the founding fathers. The founding fathers, they had money. They had, like for going down to history, they had money. They had businesses to run. They had to sell that to the other people. Like, hey, bro, this is you need to do this so their business can grow. If they're telling you, like, hey, bro, take a break, then their business is not going to grow. Right. So it's like, <laughs> when you put it in that self-interest. But, but yeah. But now with like 
that like all things that we're talking about did you when was that little switch for you that you started thinking about like that stuff oh at a young age my dad busts his ass and works hard he works hard and uh i think he tried to instill in me a value for life versus a value for work and uh that's i do see those as two very different things we have to labor to exist i mean that's just the the fundamental truth of being a human being if i don't make my food i either got to make money to go buy it or i got to make my food that's still labor in a way. It's not always something I want to do. I don't want to do dishes. I don't want to do laundry. I don't do. Any, I don't want to clean my house. I don't care about any of that. But if I don't do it, I got to figure out a way to make it happen. Well, it just so happens to be the vast majority of people end up having to do those kind of labor-esque activities. But my dad, especially, uh, in busting his ass and working really hard, always taught me that it's not that that defines us. It's the moments you share with the people you love. It's the tender sweet moments with your cat in a random moment. It's sharing a movie with friends randomly. And I realize 100% work is necessary to pull those things off and to enjoy all those things. People have to labor to create those things. But uh, I think it's, it's something he instilled about balance. When he's relaxing, it's 100% relaxation. It's not focused on, oh my God, I gotta work on these 12 things. I'm thinking about it right now. I don't get paid to think about it right now. I, I'm paid for the work that I put in and I'm going to put in a thousand percent in everything I do. And I saw him do that. I was like, maybe there is a different way. Maybe there's a, and I don't want to say a better way. Cause I also think there's people who love work and, and like live for it. That's a part of who they are. But, uh, I, I think the balance was something that came from my dad that I just didn't quite see in, in other families, especially where the, it was proud. People were proud to have their dad work 70, 80 hours a week and not be home. I'm like, what? What? Like, I, I would rather have an hour more with my dad than know that he worked an hour more at his job any day. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't know if you guys ever heard that. <clears throat> I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, Tim Grover. I don't know, if I you don't know, know who that, that is. is. So he was the he was the personal trainer for like Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant. Oh, that's like, awesome. D Wade, all these guys, and he was talking about like how he had to pack up his stuff because he had to go to work. He was traveling with Jordan, so he's like packing his stuff up, you know, and he was away from home like five to six days a week. And he, he's packing his stuff, and his daughter comes and tells him. She's like, "Hey, dad, like, where are you going?" Like, his daughter was small at the at the time, and he's just like, "I got to go work." She's like, well, "Why do you go to work?" She's like, "Because I got to make some money." Yeah. And then, but then he, she's just like, like she says, she's like, "If I eat less, would you be willing to stay long?" That's heartbreaking. And then he's just like, "Fuck!" Like that broke his heart. But then at the same time, he's like. And she told me that I still packed him when I still left. Yeah. He's like, because I had to show her, like, sometimes you got to do stuff that you don't want to, to get to places that you want. That's a fact. But it was just like, but I mean, he's a high, high performance. Like you should check out his books, you know, the, the Tim are, Grover, Tim Grover, relentless. That's, that, that's one of his books. And he, the other book I forgot. What it's uh, called. The winning within winning, uh, winning. I, th I think that's what it's called, winning. Just I, think, winning. I think so. You're going to have to write but that the, down but the, but, but, take that. But those are good. Those are great books. And, I mean, he was, I mean, high performer. Like, he's the top of the top. But, I mean, because it worked out. Yeah. But then how many times do people do that and it doesn't work out? Like, to me, that's, the false that, promises. That, that's that, what, like, that, that, I'm going to keep doing this for a little bit longer. Just wait. And then... I'll like take some more time off and then yeah. spend more time with you. But then that day never comes. Right. Or that's the entrepreneur what they're scared of. Like, what if I do this? Like you work with entrepreneurs like all the time. Yep. What if I do this for like five years and then it fails and then I got to start all over again. You know it's, what I mean? So it's like that. Oh, I totally scary. get it. It's a nightmare. <laughs> it's a nightmare because it's all risk. Right. And that's where, you know, I, I tried to lead off with. I, I totally get the other side of the coin because I'm. It's not like I'm working twelve hours a week or whatever, chilling and and doing all the, the things. The four hour work week. Yeah, wouldn't that be awesome? But uh, I think uh, if you strive for balance, you'll seek it and make it happen. Uh, the folks who perform at those highest levels, I I have the hardest time identifying with how they function and their goals. But at the same time, because I work with so many business owners and entrepreneurs, I absolutely respect it if that's their choice. And I think in the same vein, uh, it's still risk on both sides of the coin. Uh, I'm risking my time with things that I care about and love to focus on my business and become more successful versus I'm risking my time to become successful to focus on the things I care about is where I think it comes back to that balance. The priorities. Like right. What are your priorities for it? And it's not like, so do you have 
kids? Do you have oh, God, no. No, I could never do kids. I'd be, no, so, I'd, I'd be a terrible father. Okay. <laughs> so, no, I'm just asking because I have two kids. Yeah. So it's like when you're talking about like hard work, like I try to, you know, I get that balance priorities, like other stuff, they got stuff going on. It's priorities. But two, it's like I have rules for myself. Yes. They can't wake up and see dad still fucking laying there. Oh, absolutely. Like still sleeping. So I got stuff and I got to show them sometimes I have to do stuff I don't want to to get to places you don't want to. Yep. Or like they have to see me go through pain, like if I'm working out or if I'm just doing work, whatever I'm doing, so that so that they can, you know, see that they can achieve stuff and they can do hard things also and they're going to be able to get through it and, you know. Absolutely. But it's like. There's a balance to it, though, because then yeah. you, you go too much, and then it's like, uh, I miss hard, dinner hard, again. Where does it go? Yeah. yeah, you know, I miss I miss the game because I was doing something else, and, exactly. and I think that coming back to to my pops, I I remember him sacrificing work uh, to coach like a basketball team when I was in middle school, and he just made the time. It was something. Those memories, gosh, you can't buy that with work. You just can't buy it with money. The, the game-winning shot in a middle school basketball tournament, my dad hugging me, telling me I, I, I always knew you could do it. If he was at work that day, I, I think that memory would be a lot different. And I don't want to put it on parents, God. I hear, sorry, parents, guys. You need to work. I'm not saying take all your time off and chill at home and sleep and play video games and stuff. But uh, it really does come back to the balance. And uh, priorities in life, to your point, I love this notion of the duality, the broken duality of man, that we have to suffer to find success, that we have to go through pain to know the good things in life, that I wish it wasn't like that. I think all of us do. I think we all wish good things would just be good things. But how sweet are the good things when you've struggled to get to it? And that struggle includes both sides, the, the dedication to your work and the dedication to the life you build for yourself. I think that's key, though, the life that you build for yourself. Because I, I imagine your, your dad didn't like just go out and just, oh, I'm going to have a good work-life balance. No, he, I think he probably worked for it. Like, I'm going to find a, a job that I can actually have that, that freedom to do what I want to do at home, yeah. but then still show up and do what I need to do when I'm at work. Yeah, and he's got a high pressure. He's a freaking laser engineer. So it's like he, he's hyper-talented, hyper-skilled, and very dedicated to what he do, does. But I still remember, it's a good point. I didn't even think about this. It was like the first 10 years, it wasn't like he just told the boss, hey, listen here. Listen uh, here, this <laughs> is my schedule, here you go. <laughs> is he, he grinded those six days uh, a week to build that better future, and it worked. Uh, I think where I, I come from is for every one of him, there seems to be 10 of those other people who don't have that happen, is I want to target those people and let it's, them know uh, that they can take a step back. And it's okay. You can work hard forever and still not see a benefit from it in the long run. And a lot of people, there's nothing wrong, nothing wrong with dedicating your life to the jobs that you have. But uh, I think... As time starts to pass, generations start to express. Oh, we. No, you're good. You're good. Generations start to express uh, uh, their desire to enjoy life in their own ways. That these things will pendulum flip. Uh, you know, a new generation comes in and, and values leisure, and then their kids see how lazy they are, so they go, "I want to work harder to get those better things." And, and the culture shifts. Uh, mm -hmm. But we we have this. Uh, I think about this kind of like unnaturally quite a bit but something that you had said earlier about America being the best. Um, I, I think we have the best in terms of idealism, the idea that you can be anything, that opportunity is abound, and that you can achieve anything at all. But if you're really critical about the stats of American success, I don't believe that that necessarily stacks up against a variety of other countries. We're killer in military spending. Uh, we're absolutely uh, uh, enormous in uh, consumer index and, and spending on products and goods and services. But I think if you ask for quality of life, I don't know if we would rank as high as other countries. Yeah. Luxembourg and looks the, pretty awesome. Yeah, and then to, to add on that, it's like you're saying you like the ideology portion of it, but you're successful, but what's the metric for success? What's successful to you? A lot of people are like, successful, I got a brand new car, yes. you know, we're talking about it the other day, or like, we yeah. got a new car, but then it's like, hail. Like, oh my God, my car's getting, my baby's gonna get torn. Like, dude, if you're that worried about your fucking car, don't buy a new fucking car, dude. Like, <laughs> exactly. if, you're, if you're that worried, you probably can't afford the car. You probably can't afford it, that's, that's it. why you're scared it's gonna get damaged. Because if you it. can afford it, you're gonna be like, shit, I guess I'll just take it to the shop. Yeah, you know. Get it fixed up? Yeah. No worries. But it's like, what's people's metric to success? I think it's. To have other, to perceive to other people that they're successful by having materialistic things. 
for a lot of people. Consumerism and uh, uh, capitalism, which I think are two incredible ideologies, and they've transformed. Say uh, that again. Consumerism and capitalism. Okay. Uh, capitalism, the desire to create uh, assets uh, and profit, and then consumerism, people who want to purchase and uh, interact with things. I mean, it definitely dovetails into the idea of materialism, where it's not necessarily. And I love, I get to reference sapiens again, uh, but like it's not necessarily like a, a standard state of affairs to, to exist in a capital society or a, de a democracy or really any form of government. We choose it collectively. Uh, and that it seems like the, the sum total of our collective ideals lean towards success being what I can get. What, what are the things I can own and how are those things going to make my life better? Uh, I think ownership is amazing. Being able to have the things you have, obviously, you've worked hard to, to I mean, look at the studio, man. You guys own it. It's amazing. Um, but the the idea that I always came back to was uh, more of a balance. Again, thanks, Dad. Uh, that having a minimalist outlook on life, uh, being more precise with the types of things you choose to purchase and interact with, leads you to accept, at least from my perspective, that things aren't really as important as the people and the experiences you get to have in this very limited life we get to live. I think, I think one of the biggest things to get to that point, to being more just like connected to, to people around them and, and to like nature and stuff like that is to, number one is like put the phone down. Yeah. So I feel that like so many people are just trapped by their, they, they, it's like a prison. They're just a prison to their phone because they're there just scrolling all day and then everything revolves around like how many likes their picture gets or how many comments or video gets and stuff like that how many followers do they have and i think it's the first step to being more in tune with with yourself and like the people around you and like to to the world is just put the phone down and just take a couple seconds to to breathe and stuff because earlier you were talking about like feeling fulfilled yeah when i feel fulfilled it's like like you were saying like when you go on a hike and stuff but it's like when you put that phone down take a break from from the social medias and then just go spend time with yourself and then kind of just be able to listen to your body listen to your mind and see what's going on inside of me and then kind of just relax it's like the because i mean you, you were just in uh, like mesa verde huh yeah like down oh, there that's cool yeah so it's like that spot i feel like those like stuff like that i'm getting that's that's the vision i get like when you're talking about yeah when you're just away from the stuff disconnected but like now going on that like so you're so like where everything's so fast how was your experience because you were in la before how was your experience from L.A. to Hero? Like, uh, th it's, uh, I mean, <laughs> it's a hell of a segue because uh, you nailed it. I think my experience in L.A. transformed a lot of my thought process of values and life. Uh, there's no stopping there. There's, th you can't, I mean, <laughs> all jokes aside about traffic, you will stop in traffic. That's for damn sure. <laughs> but uh, your mind doesn't stop. Your, your goals don't stop. And uh, I, I still distinctly, oh, I haven't thought about this in a minute where uh, I would go to these meet and greets with people and uh, go schmooze and all the networking bullshit. And it, with the question you led with to start this off, you know, tell us about yourself. To, to, what are you about? What are you? It was never that there. It's what do you do for me? How, how is this conversation valuable for my time? And am I going to get something from this interaction? Where literally, instead of the product being the product, you become the product. And I, the more and more I thought about that, I just felt like this is not wrong. Because it's obviously successful large industries that have you know, dramatically changed the world. But it didn't feel right. didn't sit in the gut in the way that I was expecting. And where I got to leave and go elsewhere, you know, talk about fast pace, slow pace, although Brush has its 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 own six speed transmission, so to speak. Uh, <laughs> let me hear let me hear the, the gears of the transmission. Oh, <laughs> but uh, there is a, a I mean I shoot, you talk to any rancher, you talk to any farmer, they're gonna tell you they're slow. Man, they're busting their ass, you know? Uh, but the the small town vibe of being able to get where you want to go right away, being able to relax with people and connect with them on a porch. I mean, I'm not going to go say howdy doody to some guy seeing an apartment complex in L.A. I'd get punched in the head. Uh, mm -hmm. But out here, it's how's it going, neighbor? You know, a, a more connected feeling of the value of people, not as products, but as human beings. That's that's been transformative. Uh, I imagine at some point, if I ever moved to a bigger city again, I'd go right back to sell me, please. But I hope I don't. Uh, I, I've come to really love the idea of enjoying 
life and enjoying people as they are and seeing them as they are in a place like this is is just so rewarding uh it's not to shout out another podcast on a podcast but that's something i love about what larry does is taking people from everyday walks of life and giving them a platform not even like people in positions of any authority or influence but just like friends and family and he had his mom on once it was awesome shout out to larry yeah shout, shout out, out to larry, to larry. Sorry. podcast it will charge you for the ad bud uh <laughs> we'll send you the bill yeah <laughs> no but the, uh, like our realness like that's who connected us larry you yeah know? so larry's like hey you got to have these guys on and we've been on his podcast he's been here you know so it's 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 awesome you know i love this too i i like the idea that i started this podcast off telling everybody i hate work and i'm lazy <laughs> Uh, America's not the best, and uh, I I tell everybody to go stop working immediately. Uh, this is good, killing it, Matt. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> well, well, I mean, if you look at like other metrics and stuff, like I wouldn't say America's the the best right now. It's, no. it's a little too woke for my liking. So oh, America or certain workers. places? <clears throat> well, certain certain people, certain places. Mm. But then as a whole, if we're looking at as America as a whole, we're we're too woke. Too woke. A, what do you mean by too woke? Just the, the the all the idealisms there are like right now, like that. There's uh, the what kids are being taught in schools isn't really what kids should be learning at that God, certain ages. Because I mean, we we uh, we had a uh, a lady here on a few months ago that she was talking about like all the the, the terrible things that are going on in like Boulder schools that mm-hmm. they're having like drag drag shows and stuff for like little kids and, and they're without like parents consent they're having like these after school clubs for for kids that really that I, I mean it shouldn't be I mean they 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 can yeah. if they if they want to but then they're trying to do it without parents consent they're <clears> trying to like limit parents rights in, in schools and stuff like that it's intriguing I'm going to challenge you a little bit. Let's see if we can have some fun with this. Um, as I understand it, I'm a data's guy. I love stats. Um, as I understand it, the vast majority of schools still say the pledge with the word God in it, and yet that's not primarily the only religion in the United States. Uh, no parental slips, no requirements, but I thought we were a secular nation, so in that regard I would say if you're a traditional in that regard, um, that's great for you, but not everybody is. And so how do you define a curriculum that can broadly go across all of the spectrums of different uh, parental interests? Uh, and again, thank God I don't have kids. I don't want to deal with it. Um, but uh, the other thing... But, I, you're still, and, but to, in all fairness, you are kind of like in a position of like power, I guess. Yeah. So, I mean, you do have to kind of deal with it to an extent, no? How do you mean? Because like if you're part of the... Because I always talk, so I always talk about it with, with like my parents. They're like older. They're like, oh yeah, we don't have kids. We're older. We don't have kids. Like yes, but there's kids in your community that you should, you know. I think I support them in my lane. My lane is business, and uh, I do work with the school district occasionally, but um, I I'm not interested in defining curriculum or trying to tell parents how to raise their children. It's I really don't yeah. think that's even my place. No, I don't think it's. I think it's the parents. Yeah, to, it should to, come to down do. to the parents. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but even like the drag show stuff, I have no problem with it. I don't care uh, when it comes to the the idea of what parents prefer. Then the parents should say, I don't want this and then push against it. And really, there's only a couple options. Vote out the people on the board who aren't doing what you want and get other people in uh, or deal with it. And that's that sucks, but that's the one of the downsides of the, the tyranny of the majority in United States democracy is if you're in the minority on what people prefer in a particular region, like I don't think we're going to have drag shows at Brush High School anytime soon, um, then and, you'll have uh, those uh, ideas uh, reflected based on those areas. And if you're like a hyper-conservative person who moves to Boulder, man, you clearly did not do much research on what that, that community that is about. Yeah, like I, I'm sorry, man, but you, yeah. you did not look that place up. I know it looks pretty, but it might not be what you're jiving with. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe change it, you know? Uh, I, I think my biggest issue with it is like when schools try to do it behind like parents' back yeah, without them like knowing, like, like you said, like the pledge and stuff, like, Every, like everybody knows that they they say the pledge that the when like the bell rings at the first first thing they do when they get into school and stuff. So like everybody knows it's so like for the most part people are cool with it. And then if they're not cool with it, then they there's other places that that don't do it. I'm sure like in other private schools and stuff you like that. You can or, or opt Although out. Although I highly doubt you opt out in this community. So it'd yeah. be a whole different ball game. But my, but my biggest issue with this is like people are just trying to do it behind parents' back. Is it and so I, I like to I want to dive deep I want to jump mm-hmm. into that what is at least okay coming back from stats and connections let's just talk about the feelings of something like this is what is it about that that is like inherently bad in your opinion and if it's uncomfortable you don't have to say I'm just curious no I mean for me it's uh, 
exposing kids to that when when the parents don't want their kids to be exposed to that. Just that. Just just that. Like yeah. If if there's parents who want to expose their kids to that, by all means, it's a free country. Go yeah. do whatever you want. But my biggest issue is like when parents like they receive no like notice of it or no like invitations or anything, and then they just start doing it without yeah. without any prior notice, and then. When they when the parents like push back and stuff, then there's like a lot of like, yeah. Because so so I know a person like yeah. personally, like I know her personally. Her daughter was going through that, and she's she was in Fort Collins. Like it, they were going through that, and they were like, they're trying to push the like transgender stuff on her, and they're sure. like, don't tell your mom. We're like we'll, we'll do it here, you know. Don't tell your mom. And this is actually like one of the biggest cases in Colorado right now. Jeez. Like it's literally just like going through and settling and stuff. And we're actually fi- fixing to have her on the podcast because they were trying to do it behind her back. Like you said, out here, out here is just like it's, it's different. Like out here, it's not going to happen. Like I mean, I live in Wiggins. I mean, out here is not going to like right. it's not going to happen. Zero, zero, one. And I tell right. and I tell people like oh they, like people like you're saying they're crazy. And I was like in some areas. Out here, we're like in a completely different world from like totally Denver, Greeley, wh- wh- wherever. Totally different. But it's just like, it's happening. It's real, but. It's intriguing. You know, for me, I, I carry more libertarian ideals when it comes to personal freedoms and things that usually the issues come about because people are trying to cooperate in some way and they fundamentally disagree on either morality or the structures of morality that we build for ourselves. Where I'm very much like, do whatever the hell you want. I, I don't care. If you want to be transgender, awesome. Yeah, Enjoy exactly. it. Mm-hmm. Live yeah. that life. Exactly. Be as trans as you want to be. Because this um, is America. It's still yeah. a free country. You can, you can do whatever the hell you want. Absolutely. I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think w- the responsibility of schools is to try and teach the reality of life. If I had to make a case for why schools exist at all. Um, and if they're not teaching the reality of life as it exists, then I think they're doing a disservice to the kids in the school. Trans people exist. Drag people exist. Uh, hyper-religious people exist. The the different types of uh, folks and organizations and entities that exist in the nation should probably be a part of curriculum, at least in my opinion, if you're trying to learn about it, to your point and to your point. Um, trying to do something along the lines of subversion, I definitely would never support a government subverting its populace. You serve us. You, you, don't, mm-hmm. you don't dictate to us. That's not how this works. But uh, I would hope that whenever – God – I almost said it, Katie. I'm, I promise you. Uh, I don't want kids, damn it. Uh, is if I was to ever trip and stumble into having a child, I think I would be such a monster to deal with because I would want to be incredibly informed at what they're learning, but then also challenge not just the things that I agree with. I want my kid to learn about things they, that I don't agree with because that's real life. Exactly. Because what's, what's, what's mm-hmm. going to happen when they go out to the real world? They're going to get slapped around. Yeah. So it's And I completely agree Like on that, those points. It's just that, like the parents should do the raising, and like you said, with like your stuff, like you'd be a monster. Like teach teachers that my daughter she they they know they know I'm always the guy asking the question. Like well, no one else is asking that. Like congratulations, yes. that's why I'm here. So what? And that also goes back to the parents. Like do the research where you're kind of sending your kids. Be more yeah. involved in your kids' lives and all that stuff. Priorities yeah. comes back to the priorities. I was just about to say, man, we're back to work because they're probably working 60 hours a week and they ain't got no time. I'm just like, all right, take a, take a beat, come back, work them 40, and then read that curriculum and be like, whoa, whoa, what is that? Uh, and then you can influence it. I, I think, oh, man, this is a deep cut. But I think sometimes American society, in the way we've structured our work culture, disincentivizes participation in government, period. A meeting's at six o'clock at night. It's a, a council meeting. It's a school board meeting. How many parents in their right minds are going to go choose to go to that versus spending dinner with their children? Or if I had to guess, they're probably still at work. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have all these amazing technologies now to allow us to participate in government. <clears throat> and we still act like we're fucking Aristotle 2,000 years ago at uh, some random pulpit when we could allow for a broader sense of American democracy by allowing people to participate in unique ways, like being in a Zoom call or providing insight from emails and and text messaging where they can share their piece, hopefully make a a change or express concern, build coalitions and try and make a difference in the way that they prefer. But our culture does not incentivize us to participate actively in really any form of government at all. Why do you think that is? Is it just because they haven't gone with the times yet or is it just... 
they kind of want to have a little bit more control. I was going to say, I think it's darker than that, unfortunately. And not that, I don't think your local city council's like, how can we screw over the parents, you know? <laughs> they, they're not thinking anything like that. I know these people have brushed personally. Larry's one of them. You know, they're all good people who just want to give back to their community. But you guys know this. Once you get to the higher rungs of power, it's not really about people anymore. It's about control. It's about who's funding what and yeah. who's controlling what. That's Always. So, I mean, Darn. you're the one in control now in Brush. So, I mean, what does the – give us a little – some stuff. What, what does Chamber do? What does the Chamber do? <laughs> I don't know about control. Um, <laughs> I am one of the smallest cogs in an enormous <clears throat> machine, and I'm very grateful to be that small cog. I would never want to be anything bigger than this. Uh, so what I do with the Brush Chamber uh, is, like I said earlier, a little bit of community development, a little bit of economic development and business advocacy. Projects include things like uh, securing grant funding for the redevelopment of historic properties, selling properties to new developers to incentivize new business to come to the community, attracting new businesses to brush, and then providing advocacy to our local businesses, either through policy advocacy, say things like city business incentives uh, or programs that I think might affect them from the city. Uh, as well as the knowledge, the things that they need to know from their different uh, spheres of influence. May it be groups uh, that are working within Brush for specific projects or, you know, like elected representatives and then sharing that information with the business owners who, much like parents, are probably working uh, and busy and don't have the time to do a lot of the things that our chamber does. This was a big transition from what we originally were doing. Um, when I was an intern for the city for a couple of years, I found that the chamber, uh, when I worked with them, was more of like an event planning organization. And they did great work. Uh, events are a tentpole about uh, community. And, and festival is like a, such a huge aspect of what makes us grow as people. We connect in ways that we just don't expect. And uh, I love doing our events. Oktoberfest is amazing and, and the other ones that we do. But I wanted to show the chamber off in a way in new strategies uh, that would showcase that we can be a tangible benefit to the owners who give us the hard-earned cash to be a part of what we do. Yeah. So in your opinion, do you, are you guys like looking to grow more? Because then if you grow more, it kind of loses that small town aspect if you grow too much. Because everyone's like, yeah, we should grow more because we're going to get more. But then if you grow too much, then you're going to lose what you just have. It's an interesting balance. Um, preliminary numbers off the top of my head, there's 400 to 450 businesses that operate within Brush, whether it's an at-home business, an online business, or a brick and mortar. Really? 400 um, Approximately. That's quite a, a bit. Lot. Yeah. You wouldn't expect you wouldn't it in small communities, that, no. but you also got to consider like uh, take a 10 percent off for businesses that don't function, um, a business that somebody started on Etsy, uh, take another 10% off for businesses that are defunct but still are existing and in like an LLC name or some type of, a type of like sole proprietorship or something like that. Uh, really, the number of viable businesses to target for a chamber in uh, a community the size of Brush is like 350 at most. Um, we sit at 160 members right now. And would I love to have all those businesses involved with us? Hell yeah. I, I think that'd be amazing. But I would never really seek to extend too far. It is in our name, Brush Area, but I, I wouldn't seek to extend too far beyond Brush and any type of the, the work that I'm working on. Uh, I... I loved working with Andrew before he took off. I don't know if you guys ever had a chance to meet the Fort Morgan Chamber Director, the guy who did the, a lot of the HGTV stuff. And I think he had a similar mindset where, you know, we, we both have area in the name, but we want to dedicate to the communities that we're working in the most. That if we get too big, you know, like a Morgan County Chamber idea, which we've definitely discussed a few times, uh, I do agree with you. I think we would lose that personal touch that we share now. I mean, I, I get to just like walk around Main Street, uh, you know, like I'm in the show Cheers, where everybody knows your name. And uh, <laughs> I, I think that would probably... celebrity? Yeah, celebrity of brush. That's not the intention, but more along the lines of because of the personal relationships we've been able to build, it's, it's not, hey, this is business owner A that gives us these dues and this is the money we're going to use from what they give us. It's, you know, that's Melinda from Treacherous Waters. She sells badass games. Thank you so much for supporting what you do. This is Rob from the Brush Arts Center. Thank you so much for making, you know, the amazing pieces of art you do for our community. This is Matt Cassie from Obsession selling all cool trinkets and weird adult stuff. Uh, you know, it's it's Patrick at the Sands. It, it's it's those people that See, the, the, I think we lose if we go big. Yeah, that's what I think is cool. Like, you know them by name. And if you get too big, like, you're not going to be... It's, it's, going to be very hard to memorize everybody. I couldn't even get your guys' damn name right before we started. What's so, what's, yeah. what's, what's, Eric what's, what's, and who? Monaco. Who's who? 
Er, uh, uh, no, uh, hold up. Uh, uh, Monaco uh, and Eric with a CK. Yep. Oh, dang. Basically, it took me an hour long to like <laughs> lock it into my brain. I think anybody who knows me out there knows I'm absolutely terrible with names. But I, I, I like the idea of being relational. You know, there's a value to the handshake, especially in brush, where I love digital. I love social. It it leads to a lot of really amazing things. But there's nothing that beats a conversation over breaking bread and just connecting mm-hmm. as people. Yeah. And I feel like we lost a lot of that over COVID. <sighs> and then trying trying to just build our way back to just being able to actually not now it feels like it's starting to kinda of get back to normal, but yeah. it still feels like the times before COVID were so long ago. Yeah, it was like what, fifteen years now or something like that? Something like that. It, oh, how, how do you get more people to uh join the the chamber? That's an intriguing question because I'm the worst salesperson in the universe. I really don't like to try and trick you into joining what we do. What I like to do is rattle off all the things that we are doing and trying to do. And if you see value in that, join up. If you don't, I respect that. And hopefully we can do something in the future that you will like and you'll want to be a part of what we do. Um, Natalie, at some point, if she ever decides to to watch this podcast, she's my office coordinator. Shout out, Natalie. You're amazing. Uh, we're, putting, we're calling her out now if yeah. she ever decides to watch it. <laughs> she, uh, she's not a podcast person per se. and so. Uh, but if she did, uh, she would be yelling at me through the camera right now because uh, she's really the true salesperson for what we do, um, is very good about getting the word out about the chamber and sharing it from a sales perspective. She did sales for a long time. I'm more of like the flighty, creative musician guy that, that's just, I don't have those skills. And I don't pretend to. I, I would sound like an <laughs> idiot if I tried to sell it from that perspective. But... You know what's uh, something that I, I, I respect because it seems like you're transparent, like who you are, like all the time. Because there's a, a very a, a person told me that you were gonna say that that you're gonna give all the credit to Natalie that she's the one behind it. Natalie kicks ass. So so exact. So that's what I'm saying. Like you're saying it now, but it's like first I can be like, oh yeah, maybe he, he's actually just saying that. Or but it's like there's other people that are saying that too. Really? Like they, yeah. That's incredible to hear. Well, yeah. I, I'm, I thank you guys. <laughs> I, I don't know. Again, I don't know how to take compliments. Thanks. Uh, the, uh, except by the, the, the hair, the, the, hair with the windy take, hair, I can always take getting out of the car with the slow motion waves. Yes. <laughs> billowing. Uh, no, and it's not just Natalie. Natalie does a lot of amazing work. Patrick is one of my board members, uh, owner of the Sands, owner of the hall in uh, Fort Morgan. He is, I mean, that guy. I, you know how every people have like a guy for things? It's like my paint guy or I have my, my camera guy or whatever. I don't have any of that. I have a guy guy. I go to my guy guy and he gets me a guy. Patrick is my guy guy. And I just love going to him because if, hey, man, do you have a giant uh, recyclable plastic shredder per chance? He's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Let me just call somebody real quick. Who just has that? You know, like, <laughs> just and, and he just does, you know, uh, I, and I, I love that about him. Mikhail Mates, uh, my vice president, he does the vast majority of our digital, social and website. And he's 23, man. I, he's turning one of my closest friends in the world, uh, especially out here where I just, I, I was so happy to connect with people at this level. They, them and a group of, I'm just like, I don't wanna just rattle names off forever, but they're the real success of what we do. I am the smallest piece there. All I'm trying to do is build hope and uplift the people that invest their time into what we do to the highest levels. Their success is my success. It's not the other way around. But you're the one kind of organizing it all together. No. No? No. I. That's what defines a good leader because a good leader can get other good leaders to, to do something. You know what I mean? Like I don't know how, co- but yeah. To, to coordinate it to an extent. Like, well, because Brush didn't do that before. I know. And then ever since you came on, they do. I appreciate that. Uh, so, I, so, so, so to some extent, it's like you did do something right. We're gonna make you take the credit. <laughs> take the credit. But, uh, but I refuse. I refuse. <laughs> um, I I don't. I really truly don't see myself that way. And I'm not trying to like blow smoke up your ass or anything. Is it's more along the lines of, uh, I I wouldn't be in a position to do the things I do if I didn't have those people there. I would be a fraction of myself. And instead of glorifying me like that's gonna help me at all, don't do anything. Oh, cool. Pat myself on the back. Like it it doesn't help is I'd rather sing the praises of the amazing people who work with me. And if I'm if I'm anything, okay, I'll acknowledge this to a certain extent. I'm a glue guy, okay? I'm, I'm the guy <laughs> on your NBA basketball team. I'm not going to score 50 points a game. I'm not going to get 20 assists. 
this. I'm not the joker, but, you know, I'm Brown, man. I'm the guy that is going to fill a couple points every once in a while, but be there in the huddle like, guys, we can do this. I believe in you. Everything's possible. Let's do it together. That's where I love being. Yeah. I love no, it because the team's not going to go far if they don't have that Brown on their team. That's right. So, and I was already going to tell you, how do you, how do you get attractive people to you? you by becoming an attractive person. Oh, gosh. So it's like, thank you. Uh, it's the hair again. again. It's the hair. It's the hair. The hair just keeps coming like back it. and back and back. No, but like in all seriousness, it's like if they're seeing that you're doing a shitty job, you're like, I'm not going to go over with them. Yeah. But if they're, you know what I mean? I mean, you, I know you're not going to take the credit for it. I but refuse. It, but, but it's, you know, I think that's what it, it kind of <laughs> uh, evolves and stuff. But so what are some like things you guys have going on for the the chamber like coming up coming up soon uh okay so we uh host the beer garden at the rodeo every year on july 2nd 3rd and 4th you'll see me and natalie in there slanging beers uh like slanging beers or like like slamming beers or like I mean, we might slam a couple. I'm not going to argue about that. But I think, uh, no, we're, we're going to be selling them. Uh, we've been doing that for, I think, eight years now. Uh, it started before I started up. Uh, we also do the July 4th parade. Uh, we coordinate that with the, the city uh, PD and then a group of volunteers. Again, Mikhail uh, helps put together. I don't want to say helps. He fucking puts together everything and does it. Uh, I just tag along for whatever he wants to do. Um, but uh, Natalie and another group of volunteers help get everybody coordinated, and then we send the parade out. Uh, we've been doing that for gosh years now. I don't even I don't even know how long. Yeah, now. I think the parade. The parade is the one that's like around here. That's the one that's most known. It's mm-hmm. big. Yeah. Uh, but beyond just our event planning, like like I said, I think event planning is only one half. I don't see one <coughs> half, one quarter, one eighth, one sixth. I don't one small yeah, chunk. I have a liberal arts degree, so I don't really have a lot of the math knowledge, but. Uh, we uh, were able to negotiate with the city of Brush to expand their business incentives this last year. Uh, the largest amount of money they had ever set aside previously was around $16,000 for a combination of different incentives. I think uh, where I like to fit in is I like to ask ridiculous questions. And so it's like, what if you give us like 100000 and see where it goes? And I'm like, okay, let's do that. And we ended up getting $100,000 for the year. We've paid out $16,000 uh, in business incentives for facade improvements and business improvements in Q1 of this year. Uh, and that's a huge aspect of our business advocacy portion of what we do. Uh, we were able to secure a grant for Central School. You guys know that big old 50,000 square foot building right off Colorado in downtown? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was vacant from 1997 <coughs> until still now. Uh, but there has been dramatic progress in the building to the point where I won't give any exact dates yet just because I, I don't want to speak out of turn. I'm not the developer. Ty is the developer. But uh, we secured funding to do exterior masonry work, uh, replace the roof, and start working on cleaning the inside. And from that moment to now, the interior uh, first and second floors of the main building is completely cleaned. Uh, I don't know if you guys were aware, but it was absolutely filled with pigeon tenants, rats, and guano, uh, approximately four to six inches tall. Really? Um, it was rough. To now, where they're framing apartments, they're uh, installing electrical conduit, um, installing HVAC, plumbing, um, amenities like sinks, dryers, and uh, just drywall plaster, it's coming together. The goal is to turn it into approximately 80-ish apartment units and have a a space right off of downtown where people can live and then potentially uh, be attracted to coming to the downtown from those living situations. That's been, oh gosh, Um, I, I remember working on this back when I was an intern and it just not catching on and right when I started as director there was just a deal on the table I said what the hell man let's do it who cares if we fail man let's just try and it's turned into something where uh, if all the you know the T's are crossed and the I's are dotted we could see apartments in that building available for viewing by the end of the year and potentially available for rent by next year but that is We'll see how that turns out. Yeah, um, that's, that's awesome. A lot yeah, of progress. Put, put that place to use because, I mean, it's just been sitting there so. for years. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were the previous owners of the Sands Theater for a number of years through our – we actually – so it's a – I manage the Chamber 501c6 nonprofit. Uh, it's uh, like a chamber membership organization. And then our Chamber uh, Foundation. It's a 501c3 for like formal uh, nonprofit. Um, the uh, Chamber Foundation agreed to sell the Sands to another developer – we were trying to do an assessment on how much it would cost to get it open again, just because it's such a tent pole for our downtown and an attraction. Uh, and it was going to be like two hundred to three hundred thousand dollars. My foundation had like ten k in the bank, and I just went, "This does not compute. We need to try something a little different." What if we sold it? And my goodness, that was terrifying, exhilarating. 
Uh, it was risky. I think uh, we didn't know how it was going to turn out, but I'm proud to report it's been open for six months. They got it open. Or actually, yeah, I guess it's almost June, almost six months. Uh, but they got it open within six months after a significant like 200 and some odd thousand dollar investment into the building, including new HVAC bathrooms, uh, a bunch of work on the 1924 Manly popcorn machine and uh, securing new deals with studios and distributors to get access to first run movies. I don't know if you guys know how the movie uh, like movie theater biz runs, but you have theaters that run at first run where you get the new movies right away and the theaters that run at second run that usually get movies later on. The mm-hmm. Sands has a, had operated as a second run theater for basically its existence, uh, and except for under Joe Machetta, uh, one of the original owners. Um, the new owners got it to a first-run theater. And so it becomes, unfortunately for the Cover, a direct competitor to the Cover in attracting brand-new movies to brush. And that's worked out really well. I think the thing I'm most excited about the Sands is their desire to build community partnerships. It's something, obviously, you can probably guess I'm passionate about, uh, is working with Ebenezer and the school district to get folks to come to the movies um, on special occasions. And most recently, they just had, I think it was 20 folks from Ebenezer um, uh, come in and, and watch, I can't remember the film, it was like an older film. But before that, they had like 150 kids from Thompson come out and, and check stuff out and they're launching their summer movie movie program now so hopefully attracting more of that crowd that is interested in watching some fun films during the week when there might not be uh, a lot to do and kids getting a chance to get out and see the theater again is just awesome um man i could rattle if you want me to continue rattling i don't know if no it's great no i, I like all this, the stuff that you guys got going on and stuff and yeah i think it's going to be great for like the theater they got the stuff going on you know Help to keep the kids stay out of trouble, you know, during the summer because yes. they got they got too much time. There's always trouble to be made. Idle hands. It is a small town. Yes. <laughs> but no, I mean, it, it was great. I mean, we appreciate you for coming on, you know, chomping it up with us, breaking the bread, you know. Like you I, said. I love this. I love this. Let's let's get you guys on the bullhucker when I'm a co-host because I would great. love to be on the other side of the table of this mm-hmm. situation. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go, Larry. <laughs> So, so if, uh, if other people want to, like, get to know more about you or, or what uh, the Chamber's got going on, where can they find that information? Okay, uh, brushchamberofcommerce.org. You can call us at 970-842-2666. Um, you can email me directly, executive director at brushchamber.org. Uh, I'm always happy to talk with anyone. I, I love connecting and, and finding ways to make Brush a better place for all of us. Um, beyond that, come to my office, man. I want to talk to you in person. 218 Clayton Street, downtown Brush. Um, we've been there a number of years, and I'm always happy to, like I say, chop it up in my office and, and just let people come in. And, and I love here comments, concerns, questions, whatever they got, um, I'm happy to oblige. Perfect. Yeah, we'll, we'll put all that information on there so people can actually Rock on. Uh, find it and be able to <laughs> check, it check it out and stuff. So I, I rattled it pretty quick, so I'm sure you're memorizing it, as I said. Oh, yeah, yeah. for sure. Just just like you memorize the names. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Roasted! No. Roasted! Exactly. Eric with the CK with the elbow. <laughs> oh, but guys, you guys, you guys heard it here. Appreciate, we appreciate you coming on again. Um, but guys, if you guys like the conversations we're having here, if you guys like the conversation we have today with Matt, please make sure to give the video a thumbs up. Make sure to subscribe to the channel. That way you can be notified every single time we got a new video coming up. And guys, thank you so much for tuning in. We'll catch you guys on the next one. And remember that an act of rebellion is to question. Cool. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Perfect. That was fun. Underrated, underrated, we the underdogs, underestimated. underestimated.